welcome to Compassion in a T-Shirt and our Short Shares with Professor Paul Gilbert. In this, our sixth and final episode, Paul describes compassion-focused therapy in a nutshell, and then what's next for CFT, not least bringing compassion to the world. Last question, um, and it's sort of a... Yes, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you say because sometimes I, I find myself with people I'm working with or, or colleagues or whatever and, and sort of I, I, I try to give them a, a kind of a, you know, what, what is CFT in a nutshell type thing, you know, like the, the sort of the, the, the kind of the, the little pitch that, that might begin the, 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 the sort of the considering of, of this as an approach or, or that sort of thing. And so I, I wondered, yeah, I mean, how would you kind of pitch it or, or you know, what, what, what is CFT really in a nutshell for you? And when, when I say nutshell, you can still spend a bit of time talking about it. But, um, but yeah, you know, what, what is CFT in a nutshell? Well, it's a great question, isn't it? People do, do one of these things. So there are two things. One is how you talk about it at a party and how you talk about it in a clinic. Okay. Um, so talking about it in a party, I would just say, look, you know, we are a species, we're a mammal. Uh, we care for our young and we have things in our brains that, that make us sensitive to be caring if people are struggling or whatever and that's basically compassion and you know if we take an interest in helping others when they're struggling that's that's it so that would be a party piece wouldn't it really um but then for your clients what we've found over the years as you, you i think you know as you know stan is that we used to invite people to talk us through an example of them experiencing compassion but we don't do that now we have a very set piece that seems to work pretty well we, we ask them first the first thing is what does compassion mean to you when you hear the word and they say kindness warmth softness tenderness and we say okay we're going to put that on one side they those are ways of being compassionate but they're not actually compassionate they're ways of being compassionate and then we say to them but you actually understand compassion in a different way and they say do i and you say yes yeah. so here's the deal I'd like you to imagine that you have a really good friend. Yeah, can you bring them to mind? Mm, yeah, what do you like about them? Oh, well, because, because, okay. Now imagine your friend phones you up and they say, I've just had a letter to say, I've got to go to hospital for this very, very important operation. I can't go, I'm hospital phobic. I've never been able to go to hospital. What am I gonna do? I just don't know what to, and they're very tearful and upset. How would you be with that? And then they say, oh, well, you'd be upset about it, wouldn't you? You'd be worried about it. How would you talk to them? Oh, well, I'd try to understand their fears. I see. And what, what might you try to do? Oh, I'd see. If, maybe if I went with them to hospital, why would you go? Well, if you've got somebody helpful with you when you're going through pain and fear, then that helps, isn't it? It's just normal. It's just common sense, isn't it? You say, yes. <laughs> so you were sensitive to the suffering. You try to understand it. You got alongside them. You didn't criticize them or whatever. And then you turned your mind to what you could do to be helpful and you worked out that having somebody with you that was supportive would be helpful that's compassion there's the algorithm there's the algorithm there's we are sensitive algorithm. to pain we engage with it we empathically experience it but equally we want to work out what's going to be helpful we don't just sit there oh, isn't that terrible well everybody's going to die sometime so <laughs> um, no we then work out what to do and that working out what to do is really quite fundamental aspect of it, okay? Uh, and um, mm. and it really does depend on the person, wouldn't it? It would depend on the person, it would depend on the situation, it depends on many things. There's no simple solution 
every uh, compassion, every desire of a compassion act might have a different type of act. Mm. The thing I, I love about um, CFT is that on the one hand, you know, it's an evolutionary model in a sense, or, you know, that that's kind of um, deeply in there, but it's at the very same time, it, it's also continuing to evolve and, and it's, it, you're, you're developing it all the time. And, and the, the science is, is really feeding into that and, and helping us to understand more and more where, what, what compassion is and, and how it can be helpful and, and, and trying to, to really develop CFT and, and the application of it. What's, what's kind of next for CFT, do you think? I mean, where, where is it heading next? What, what are the sort of the, the, the bits that you're most interested in or curious about? You know, any kind of research or practice or anything coming out that you, that, that's exciting? Yeah, so I think the two things, you know, the thing that we really hammered, I mean, I've written about this a lot, and it's just beginning to appear in the literatures now, there are two very different types of threat regulation. So you've got one threat regulation system, which is through your amygdala, and that's when you are threatened, you become aroused, okay? So when you engage in safety behaviors, you're, reg you're working that system, you're working your threat system to either reduce the threat or keep away from the threat. So that's that's one threat regulation system. But we also know since attachment, you have another threat regulation system, which when you are an infant and you form a relationship to your mom or father or whatever, when you're threatened, you don't just run away from the threat, you run towards what will help you call, uh, feel uh, safe, will rescue you, will calm you down. So this is moving towards your social so, social support system, your social safety system. Now that works through a very different set of regulators. That's the parasympathetic system, not the sympathetic. There are various sections of the orbital frontal cortex uh, and oxytocin and so forth. So that's a very different system. And we know that that system downregulates your primary threat system. Okay, so when that system is going, it downregulates your amygdala. If you do loving kindness. Um, meditations for eight weeks, you downregulate sensitivity in your amygdala. So these are two quite different threat systems, right? Or threat regulation systems. One is moving away from and preventing, that's the amygdala one. But the other one is moving towards that which will calm you, that which will settle you down. And that's not, not that's through the, the parasympathetic, the social engagement. So when you are, so if you are distressed by something, Stan, you won't just sort of be there by yourself and try and keep away from what's distressing you'll go to your partner and they'll give you a cuddle and talk to you and then that will you'll feel support and that will come down so we're very keen that people really begin to because most people talk about threat only in terms of threat system the safety system not the safeness system but we've talked a lot about the safeness system and that's okay so we're pleased about that that's becoming um becoming more aware now so the, the other thing that's really interesting is how do you take compassion out of the clinic, right? So as you know, we're working with the compassion in politics and compassion in business groups um, because unless we get this as a world, being sensitive to the suffering and working out what we're going to do, like climate change or um, you know viruses or whatever it is or injustice, we need to become much more sensitive to the suffering in the world and the suffering that our economic systems are producing. Neoliberalism is a destructive system that increases suffering because it increases callousness. 
Uh, if people become more callous, they become self-focused, they're just interested in their own stuff. You know, they, it's all about achievement, having and owning and doing. Now, you know, there's some value in competitiveness, of course there are, is, but actually, you know, even if we look at the, 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 the vaccine rollout, you know, it's been pretty callous. I mean, still lots of the world don't have any access to it because they're poor. Mm. So that's what I'm interested in now is how do we get this basic uh, motivational system that's in all of our minds? We all have it, right? We all have this capacity to one degree or another, some not so much maybe, but if we can work it as a, as a, as a group, as a society, as a world, then we're in serious business. But if we're trying to do our own thing and uh, just, you know, trying to make as much money as we can and uh, don't care about anybody else and uh, we just keep our fossil fuels going and what differences it make, uh, then we're in trouble. Mm. We, we've had an interesting thing here over recent months in Australia where there was a, a kind of a, a push for politicians to have empathy training, which of course immediately piqued me, my, my interest because I know from your work that empathy is a competency that can be used for various motives. And I thought to myself, you know, if we just teach politicians empathy, then they might, who knows what they might bring that, that skill to. You know, we, we, have, to, we, we have to find ways to, to sort of um, cultivate that, the motivation of compassion, the motive there that, that we might bring empathy to a compassionate motive and and um, let's let's hope that we are sort of moving more and more towards a, an, an age of compassion I guess you know because it does feel like the the world really needs it that's right I mean I you know if you go down to your local shop or you go down to your local restaurants or just potter around in your local areas uh, unless you live in a high crime area mostly people are nice you know most mm. people are quite nice actually humans are designed for hunter-gatherer basically if you give them a hunter-gatherer type of life they have fun they enjoy being with each other they want to you know all that stuff want to help each other communities want to help each other that's so we know that's the case but those motives get severely diverted by competitiveness mm. and threat and politicians are very good at using threat to promote themselves and that's we don't really know how to deal with that. We have the, the, the West is dominated by a right-wing media that wants to write stories of threat, shame, condemnation all the time. They do not write stories about collaborations and, and caring and the changes that we're making and how wonderful we're doing in certain areas. They don't write that stuff very much. So we're marinated in this constant world of threats and politicians being useless and they're no good and so when you keep attacking them all the time what do they do they just be close it all down become defensive and um it's very difficult you know uh, and the ones that are attracted into politics are the ones that tend to be a little bit more ruthless so you know I, it's not really their fault it's the system that we're caught up in and that generates it mm. and it's really how do we change the system how, how do we i mean if you look at a lot of our entertainment um it's mostly male violence you know good guys against bad guys cops and robbers uh, you know james bond uh, you know off to get the bad guys it's all about the good guys getting the bad guys we are creating in our entertainment constant sense of threat 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 and we need strong people to come in and take out the bad folk 
I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're watching science fiction programs or whatever it is, it's always the same, in my view, very boring story. You have bad people and then you have the good people that go after them. Very boring. Um, but that's the way it is. Very, very sort of um, all about vengeance. And it's vengeance, yeah. It's vengeance. And that's, I think, partly because we're living in this very competitive society. We're always worried about the bad people. We're always worried about, you know, how are we going to stop them? How are we going to stop the immigrants? How are we going to stop this? How are we going to stop that? It's very sad. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the work you're doing. You're, you're certainly taking this, this very powerful therapy approach and, and you know, kind of um, having it writ, writ wide, you know, in, in terms of uh, bringing it to the world. But um, Paul, thank you very much for um, coming on to Compassion in a T-shirt, as, as I call it, and, and um, having this in, invaluable conversation. Thank you very much. Stan, it's always wonderful talking with you. I, I like playing guitars with you as well, but talking with you is great. Yeah, good. Okay, thank you.